This is Fireground Action Photography, episode 36 for May 24th, 2009. This podcast is supported by listeners like you. Thanks so much for your donations. Well, hey, everybody, and welcome to Fireground Action Photography, the podcast produced by and for photographers specializing in emergency services action photography. My name is Craig Derling, and I am your host, as always, and joining me in base camp, as always, is legendary Southern California photographer Ross A. Benson. Hey, welcome Craig. Back, sir. How are you, Craig? Uh, good to be with you and today, and we're kind of in a holiday, getting ready for a four-day, five-day, six-day weekend. We're in oh. it. Oh, okay. we are in it. Yeah, it's Memorial Day weekend, so a lot of people out of town, and uh, some people weren't able to join us today, maybe as a result, but thank goodness our friend Joe Brown is available to join us today. Joe, welcome, sir. Good evening, afternoon, happy holiday to you, Thanks. and to Ross. Yeah, I'm glad you were around. Joe, have you barbecued any hot dogs or hamburgers yet? Well, we barbecue year-round here in Woburn, Massachusetts, so uh, yes, we have. Now, do you we mean always do. you barbecue food or you barbecue buildings? Both, yes, <laughs> but no. Um, that's, no. That's a good I, day. Yeah. As I tell everybody, when, I, when it snows here and we get a foot of snow here in, in eastern Massachusetts, uh, when I run the snowblower, we run, we run it to the back door and then to the grill. Nice. And we grill year-round. Wow. I, I kind of do, too. My dad... May he rest in peace. I, I have this visual picture of him standing over the barbecue with an umbrella flipping burgers. I mean, yep, or salmon or whatever. Before. Yeah. And I've done it too. Uh, you know, you got a covered barbecue. You can go out there and year round. Yeah. Don't bring it into the house. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Whatever you yeah. do. Whatever you do. And it is, Memorial, do. It is Memorial Day weekend. Yeah. Unfortunately, um, we're recording a day early here because I'm heading out of town for the weekend. I'm going to go up to Big Bear. Uh, for a for a couple of days and you smoke, a, for bears again? smoke a lot of cigars. We'll see. We'll see what crosses the road in front of me. But uh, yeah, heading right, out. So we gonna... won't talk about the last time you and I were in Big Bear. Not on this show. Let's keep that. Uh... No, that's another. But show. do you you do remember? I think my son was. I only... remember some of it. <laughs> yeah, Matt was like a little kid. Now he's like seven feet tall and. Yep, he's working all the time. He's working, up working this weekend. Good for him. Good now, for, him. Uh, for those of us who are uh, not familiar, can you tell me how far away from you is Big Bear? Is that like an all-day trip? Or No, uh, Big Bear is only a couple hours away. It's up in the mountains, uh, very, very east of us in San Bernardino County, up in the up in the nosebleeds. So it should only, t- should only take a couple hours to get there. If, if you're oh, leaving okay. now, Friday afternoon, Memorial Day weekend, it, you might get there tomorrow. Actually, uh, right. yeah, we used to own some property up there and. God, I remember my first days of learning how to drive and driving up that mountain trench, you know, trench and snow. I never drove, drove snow. You chains. guys, yeah, chains. How the hell do you, excuse me, how do you put those things on? Now they have people do it for you. But I remember driving once, and I got an email recently from a friend that remembers literally the head out the window. To look at the lines on the road. Well, Joe, I'm sure you still see this, but I remember after snowstorms back east, people would go out to their cars 
and all they do is cut out a little square of the snow yep. on the windshield, like a porthole, and drive yep. around like that. Sure. They until, see yeah, until the snow fell off by itself. Yeah. Exactly. They couldn't see a darn thing, but they went right. <laughs> just looking through this porthole, like a, driving a tank. Well, the nice thing about going to Big Bear this weekend, Craig, drink a lot of water because it's the freshest up there, and two, breathe deep because you're way above the small yeah, line. As Bunny Hacker would say, that's skinny air. That's skinny <laughs> air out there. I want to see you jog up there. No, no, I'll drive. Thanks. Um, <laughs> A <laughs> couple of uh, items to get through here. We've uh, got the Fireground Action Photography T-shirts uh, available. I've mailed out uh, two batches to uh, to the lucky folks so far. There are some left. If there's popular demand, we'll order some more. But they're a tip, kind of a, a typical blue, dark blue work T-shirt. And it says Fireground Photographer on the front with the cluster. On the back in big letters says Fireground Photo. And in real small letters under that says FiregroundAction.com. But we'll help identify you uh, and distinguish you as a photographer on a scene you might be working. And I, I noticed, Craig, you're sending these out without that spray aroma of brush fire yeah well you know what i might do if we get a good brusher this weekend or the next couple of weeks i'll throw a bunch of them in the car and just let them get that aroma <laughs> and uh send in a few you, fap stickers with uh with every t-shirt too do you, do you have any in the omaha the tent maker size for people like myself yes they do uh, joe uh, he, <laughs> craig uh, did uh kept me in mind he kept right, you well. and me in mind when he ordered these all right, I'll have to send you my credit card number. Oh, okay. Well, just go to the website, yeah. and, and uh, you can do it all through PayPal with a credit card or a PayPal account. They're 18 bucks plus a little postage. I, uh, you know, I'm losing money when people buy more than two, but that's okay. <laughs> that's all right. It's for a, a good cause, but it help, It does help. Uh, all those purchases do help support the podcast here. It's free to listen to, but it ain't free to do, so... Um, any little bit helps. You can also go to the website, to firegroundaction.com, to make a donation using PayPal if you'd like. We'd accept all that. You uh, help support this show, and we do appreciate those who have made donations. Now on to the, uh, the Flickr group. Flickr group is doing really well. I'm looking at the screen right now. We have 101 contributors in the Fireground uh, Flickr group. We uh, broke a th the 1,000 photo mark today. So we have over a thousand pictures that have been submitted by contributors in there now. Some wonderful art, wonderful work, uh, quite an array of stuff. I mean, from rescues, TCs to rescues. Did I already say that? Hazmats, uh, structure fires, uh, tr uh, training, all kinds of great images. And I, you know, I keep saying it, but I'm very impressed with the caliber of work that uh, fire and emergency services photographers across the country and really around the world are doing out there because we are getting pictures and, and uh, letters and things from around the world from photographers. You know, Craig, it's funny. We're doing episode uh, 36 today, and I remember 36 shows ago, you kind of wondered, you and I sat here and wondered how many other photographers – in uh, do what you and I do, and look at that. Yeah, I knew there were amazing. at least five in New England. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and there were at least five out here. So I knew I had at least ten in the in the world. But and I've yeah. talked to a couple people recently that have gotten up and listened to the the podcast and what we're sharing, and and they've got now they've gone on to Flickr, you know, and. The knowledge that you can get by talking to or just putting in a question. Well, a big part of the Flickr group is once you join it, you can then join in the discussions. And we have over we have 54 discussions actively going on right now with a wide range of topics from stock photography to, to different equipment questions uh, to people that see interesting articles or books out there. And one of them, uh, there, I guess there was recently a GEMS article 
uh, on EMS photography, GEMS being a magazine, a, a publisher on uh, in pub, the public safety arena. And they recently did published a, an article on EMS photography. And uh, AK Dave has put a, a link to it in the Flickr group. And Ross, you've, you've been able to read that. I haven't, unfortunately haven't had time to read it. I've got it on my screen, but I have not had time. No, ready I, for this I weekend did to, go uh, to the article and I thank Dave for putting that up. It brings up a good point. You have, uh, all of us now see it. You go to any emergency, if it's a fire or a crash or whatever, these firemen are pulling out either their cell phones and shooting a picture or these, you know, point and shoots and capturing pictures Some of their of own. Some, Some of them, not all. Yeah, right. Some of them are. And, uh, the problem is uh, that article goes into some HIPAA laws when paramedics and, and emergency responders do that. You know, you shoot a picture that shows a face or whatever, and the article basically goes on to say um, you put it on a cell phone and you accidentally hit the wrong button someday. That picture that is now in violation of HIPAA rules is out to wherever, or you lose that phone. Somebody gets it and posts it on the Internet. Um, it's a great article if you have time to read it, and it not only for first responders, but it's also for any photographer. When right. you, there's a lot of privacy going on now. You think about it, and a good way you and I have sh- thought about it in the past, think about your brother and your sister, your mom and your dad, your cousin or your uncle, you know, and we shoot things that not in the best light. Well, would you like to see that picture exposed everywhere? Right. You know, so it's a, it's a great article. I highly recommend. Right. And you can find that on the Flickr group in the discussion. Yeah, and I'll, and I'll put a link to it in the uh, the show notes um, for the show. For so, this again, thank you, well. uh, Dave, for uh, yeah. adding that in. It, uh, it, it just makes you aware. And, again, continuing education, not only for us old folks. I just celebrated a birthday, so I know I'm You did. Happy home. birthday. Thank you very much. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I've been doing this for a lot of years, and now that's something else. Just to keep in mind. You know, right like we were talking before the show about church fires or house of worship fires. You know, the same thing. Uh, That's real sentimental to some people. Absolutely. And there was recently a house of worship fire uh, on the East Coast. Joe, you have some information on that for us? A lot, lot a heck of a lot. Like I said, I wasn't there, but there was a four-alarm fire in the... the, the Church of the Latter-day Saints in Cambridge, Massachusetts, which is uh, everybody pretty knows it's right next to Boston. And it was uh, it was covered by several of the correspondents to the this podcast. And they they did some fantastic work. They had decent access. They got in there quick. It was uh, during a, a meeting. Um, again, trying to be sensitive to the words. It's not really, It's a. I guess they don't call it a church. They call it a ward. So it was during one of the meetings that they were having. Having on a Sunday morning, there were a couple of hundred people in the building, and the fire started in the roof area or an attic area of a very large building. And um, they uh, were able to get everybody out with no injuries. And uh, Teddy and Rick Knoll, Teddy Pendergrass and Rick Knoll, again, who are regular contributors to this podcast, mm-hmm. did some fantastic work. Uh, they had a heavy fire condition. They went right into a defensive operation, as I understand it, with ladder pipes, uh, several ladder pipes and a couple of tower ladders. And um, But they have a large steeple. They were able to save the steeple of the uh, of the, uh, the facility, which That's was amazing. very nice. Yeah, yeah. With, and, the, uh, with the amount of fire involvement in that roof right around the steeple. If it, nobody has gone on the Flickr group, uh, you you can see him on the Flickr group. Also, he has them on – both of them have their – on their – On their Smug Mug, on their, their websites. They both yep. have Smug Mug, yep. Look at those. Those are amazing shots. Well I done. mean, a church steeple. There were some – 
Yeah. But you can yes. see also it does bring up a couple issues because if you look in the at the photographs, they didn't get right up to the building. They kept their distance. And just in our discussion, none of us having been there, um, I commend them for that because there was maybe a couple reasons behind it. One, Ross, that you brought up uh, having uh, your uh, your involvement uh, with a house of worship, a rather large one, <laughs> is that once you get onto the property of some of these churches and houses of worship, there are some issues that may come up for you. Again, the private property issues, but there are separate issues that uh, that may come up um, in, right. in a place there like are, this. There's, there's real sentimental value at a house of worship, being a synagogue. Um, I'm quite familiar with quite a few synagogues, and there's, there's holy things that they don't want damaged, hurt, rescued. You know, they do want them rescued. Exploited. But, yeah, exactly. And also... Um, Presbyterian Church, you know, I mean, not only that church had people occupied buildings with right. all those people running out, they all got out safely, but I didn't notice, that, you know, he didn't show that chaos because that could, that could hurt. And what you do, you know, you look at our, those pictures, he, they did them very, very professionally. And, and I think that Joe and we were talking just before we started recording is because of the design of that building, you have a steeple, you have a, a, a structure that lends itself to a vertical orientation in photographs, is you need to keep your distance to be able to get all of that. Right. In, get, yeah, in you're right. Edge. You're absolutely right. And, and as I, I understand that the guys had good access. The police were very uh, lenient with allowing them to get close enough to get pictures. But again, staying far enough away that, you know how we always talk about the uh, collapse zone and sure. uh, the way that the, the fire department sets up their apparatus to prevent them from being in the collapse zone. So obviously you're going to be on the outside of that apparatus. So you're outside of the collapse zone. And again, being safe, we've talked about this before. Safety first, safety is paramount. I, I always remember one of the things that, that Craig has said, and Craig says it on a fairly regular basis, you know, don't bring a victim to a rescue. So, you know, the guys were able to stay a goodly distance away, but still get some fantastic images. Absolutely. And and if that uh, steeple had gone, that's quite a collapse zone. I mean, that's, oh. Oh, exactly. that's yeah. going to go quite a ways. Um, but to think of, you know, maybe hazards at a, in a structure like that is if it's an older church, an older house of worship, there is a lot, there are a lot of petro- petroleum based elements to that structure. There's a lot of wood. There's a lot of paper just by the very nature of what that building is used for. You know, even the very design. I mean, they're almost designed as chimneys inside. Oh, they I are. mean, it's a, right. a very volatile situation that can that can evolve very rapidly if you're not uh, you're not thinking if you don't have your head on straight. Yeah, and, and well, a, go ahead, Joe. Well, I'm just thinking that that you know you've got to, like especially in this situation, and uh, I'm sure it's similar in a lot of other places. Is that you've got to think that inside the building you have a large volume of air and open space to fuel the fire. You know, the roof line gets going and it's being fed from air. Obviously, you know, we know that fire needs the elements of, you know, air and fuel and fire. So, you know, if you've got a lot of airspace below it, a big empty place, and uh, you've got a lot of fuel for that. So you've got the roof going, you've got the trusses going in the roof line. You know, there's a, there's a lot of stuff feeding that fire. So you're you absolutely know, right. Uh, you're right, Joe. You know? I, um, by personal experience, uh, I happen to uh, be quite familiar with Hollywood Presbyterian Church. Uh, a lot of people see it out here if you're ever in Hollywood. You've taken a lot of pictures of it. That I have. Um, and in fact, I have one with, if you want to give it to you to put up on uh, with our pictures. I've been in that attic. It's a five-story bell tower, a five-story building with a eight-story bell tower. And yes, it's, wow. it's still structured inside, but all those rafters, every 18 inches is a two-by-twelve. That's a lot of wood. That wood has been up there since 1924. 
Exactly. That's when they built that building. I have been up there numerous times. We go up there to change lights and so forth. My son's up there uh, doing rigging all the time. And uh, that space alone, you have um, not only the wood, but you have the insulation that's close to 100 years old. I mean, that stuff is dry. It gets up to temperature. Even the dust oh. at that point is flammable. Well, I mean, we, we had right. a company come out recently take the bird droppings out of that you know, alone. It was three feet deep. It hadn't been cleaned in that long. We wow. had a professional company because we're replacing the air conditioning system. In fact, uh, Tuesday, they're bringing a crane in. And, and the picture's inside there. And, you know, you don't realize 100 years, you know, none of us are that old. But, I mean, the accumulation mm-hmm. of dust alone and when you talk, you know, you think of some of these, it's right like these silo fires that people. That's exactly on. what I was thinking of. Even that, just the dust from the grain and all that is, is combustible. Sure is. And just like the dust collecting in an old building. So these are just some things to consider when when covering an incident in a building like this that that people might not be aware of. These are all the things that have to go through your head. Yeah, and I commend uh, Teddy and uh, Rick again. Yeah. They they got some great shots. Um, I think, if I recall, Ted has some video up. He shot a yes, brief video, a brief yep. video that's on his Smug Mug page. So we'll put a link up to both of their websites in the show notes, so you can go and check out their stuff uh, from this particular fire. Yeah, I kept getting those twitters from them: second alarm, third alarm, fourth alarm. Mm-hmm. And you could tell it as we, you know, I know we don't like to call it a boomer, but it was a full raging. It was a boomer. <laughs> yeah, this um, one. Yeah, I it think was a boomer. Could, yeah, with, all respect, yeah, yeah. with all due respect, yeah, with all due respect, it was a boomer. Uh, they had a third right. or fourth alarm in Peabody today, uh, Massachusetts. I was getting pages on. That's yes, pretty close to Rick, if he's, uh, unless he's I, at work. Well, I was in Salem this morning. PB's oh, the next town over. Yeah. So, uh, uh, but I didn't get up to it. Uh, we also had a very major, um, as you call it, a TC. But at uh, 6.40 this morning, we had a double rollover on Route 95, right at what's called Route 3. And that's in Burlington, Massachusetts. And uh, the talk about major collision it was a couple of SUVs, and there was another vehicle involved. There were two ejections, and um, just to set the scene, Craig, you know where this is, but Route 3 goes from Burlington, Massachusetts, up to Nashville, New Hampshire. That's a two-lane, three lanes in each direction, you know, the regular highway. So um, this morning, and, and I think this is part of the reason I didn't get up to uh, Peabody this afternoon also, is the combination of traffic left over from this accident and the holiday weekend here the Route 95 is just a standstill for miles. And uh, so mm. today's not the greatest day to be out uh, chasing fires, to be honest with you. No. Because you just, as they say, you can't get there from here. Right. So <laughs> On Friday afternoon before <laughs> on Memorial Day weekend, it's already going to be bad enough. Right. But so, uh, as a matter of fact, we had an incident, like as, as part of that incident this morning, I was kind of amazed. Um, we are, you know, we... Uh, Compared to you guys out there, and I and I say out there by meaning West Coast. What do you mean, you here guys? in the East Coast? We, um, uh, how do I phrase this? Actually, I think I guess I put it this way. I wonder how experienced the people who are running the helicopters are here for news gathering, and I get a feeling that that you folks in uh, that you folks in the West Coast have been have more experience with that. 
So um, because this morning when this rollover happened, the double rollover, the first uh, traffic helicopter on the scene fed live video to the uh, newscast that was going on on TV. And they zoomed in on the thing and, and you know, they came live and all of a sudden the, 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 uh, the anchor said, and we're going to go right to Burlington, Massachusetts, where there's a massive accident. And they popped the video on and there's the poor guy laying there and they're doing uh, CPR on him. Uh, yeah. And they zoomed out real quick, but it still happened. And I was like, oh, I, I, I think I yelled up to my wife. I was like, oh, did you see that? Yeah. And uh, it was it was like I, I felt bad for the families. They, I really did. Yeah, they have a lot of experience That's with so, that with that out in the L.A. area because of all the pursuits and all the incidents. There are helicopters all over the place. But they've, they've learned the hard way several times uh, with covering things like that, covering the, the termination of police pursuits where somebody is, is uh, you know, use of force is used or – or something right. like that. So they tend to get gun shy usually after an event like that, but uh, they're pretty quick to cut away or or change a shot uh, with stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, this one they definitely did. They didn't they didn't linger on that, you know, yeah. on, on the uh, the image. Um, but it was just that was a that was a rough one to be like, you know, it's the first time I think we've seen here anything like that. Well, I don't think you have any near the number of helicopters in the air in Boston that you do in LA here. I remember when I moved away 15 years ago, I knew of you know, we there was what a state police had one helicopter and they crashed it into the Charles River, right? You know, and that that was there wasn't a, a lot of air support except for maybe a couple of the news stations, but they're right. pre- well, pretty as regular. A, here. As an aside to that, um, Channel Four is the W is the uh, NBC affiliate out here. Channel Five is the ABC affiliate out here, and Channel Seven is the CBS affiliate. WBZ, out here, WCVB, and, and WHDH. Yes, exactly. Oh, and W. How's that? How's that? Uh, and Channel 25, Fox TV, yeah. is also, um, that's our Fox affiliate. So there are four helicopters now. Is 38 still around as an independent? No, they're merged with four. Oh, okay. Oh, it's funny. What was 38? Oh, wait, wait. What was 38's call sign? This is WSBK TV Boston. Wow, you're good. Dana Hersey. Yeah, exactly. Dana Hersey. Yeah, he's loft. gone, but he's, yeah. Uh, but anyway, it was announced this week that um, Channel 4, WBZ, and I think it was Channel 4. It might have been Channel 5, but uh, Channel 4 and Fox 25 are now going to share one helicopter. We have a few stations out here that are doing that now yeah. to, to save costs. So there's, exactly. Yeah. They, um, both of them, I guess they are leasing their uh, helicopters, and they are both leases come up for expiration, I guess, July 1st or June 1st of this year. So I guess instead of having a brightly painted helicopter with all of the logos and all of everything on it, which they both do, they're going to go to a nondescript helicopter mm-hmm. with, uh, you know, the, just the basics on it. They were saying, you know, basically uh, a dull metallic gray. That's not a bad idea. <laughs> yeah. The, so that's yeah. something new. So uh, Out here we have, uh, oh, if there's a pursuit on the freeway, Joe, you see, if you look off into the distance at night, You'll think of, uh, uh, Apocalypse Now. Exactly, Apocalypse Now. You know, there are eight <laughs> airships <laughs> coming along <laughs> the freeway. <laughs> and uh, one of the nice things, one of the pilots out here, Channel 2 and 9, they are sister stations. Their pilot is a retired L.A. County pilot. And so on a brush fire, when you hear his dialogue, it's right like he's still in a fire ship. He he can give you, and most of them do. Um, they're all up on the same air frequency out here. They meet together on a regularly basis. Um, I listen to that frequency in the morning because you get better them talking to each other than you right. know ground. Stuff. Well, you like the banter. Oh, I do. You like you know? the banter. And uh, right. but you can hear calls real quick that way, and and to listen to them. 
Yeah, because they're on the way. They're the first ones uh, shooting that way. Yep. Right, exactly. Yeah, I think we're all on Twitter here, aren't we? I, yes, am. I am. Yeah, well, the podcast is also on Twitter. We're Fire Photos on Twitter. And i got to tell you, and I've mentioned it a couple times, but every day we get more people and companies and publishers uh, following the podcast's Twitter account. I highly recommend anybody out there that isn't familiar with Twitter or isn't following the podcast to not only follow us at Fire Photos, but follow the people following us because I just look down the you know the, at the live stream of of people tweeting to the on the podcast account, and there's some there are some great resources there. There are a lot of companies, uh, publishers, equipment manufacturers, uh, fire agencies, vendors, uh, and you know as well as photographers. Uh, and PIOs from department Brian departments uh, Brian Humphrey the PIO for LA City Fire is on there. Uh, so not only follow the fire photos broadcasts that, or announcements, but look at the stream of people that uh, that we're following. And it's a, 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 again a great resource. Uh, and to also find out what is out there as resources for us photographers. There are hazmat uh, agencies on here that are you know I look down the list here. LA Times photos. Um, all these these great uh, great companies and people, so a, a wealth of information there. If you can uh, go ahead and follow up uh, with some of them, uh, good resource, good resource. And I want to tell you about an iPhone app. I don't know out there who has iPhones, but I have an iPhone generation one. You have an iPhone, Joe? No, I'm a BlackBerry uh, person. Okay, not bad, not bad. That's my second. Well, choice. you know what it is? I have <laughs> Nextel, and I get a lot of my, you know, in in being slightly different than you guys as being a news photographer and dealing with a lot of different people. You know, I deal with fire chiefs and police chiefs and police officers and animal control, and we all have the Nextel. So I get a lot of news tips from people mm-hmm. in that regard. You know, I'll get a I'll get a chirp as they call it from yep. somebody in you know the town next to me this morning. There's a moose here in Woburn running around today. <laughs> and that's very unusual. No, that's not. That's that's legit. And uh, I get chirped by about five different people. Hey, you guys, cool. you, are you following the moose? Where, where, you know, where is it? Have you seen it? Yeah, I have so. a Nextel phone as well. Uh, there just aren't as many people out here using Nextel as there are back there. So it, right. I'm debating whether or not to, to renew it. But uh, there is a great iPhone app out there. I know Ted Pendergast has an iPhone, and he's into these apps. But I just found one. It's a $0.99 cent application. It is called Emergency Radio. For $0.99, you can get this thing. And what it is, it's live streaming of public safety uh, radio traffic from all over the country. And there's got to be a few hundred agencies in this thing. I'm going down the list. I'll just name some of my favorites here. And I've been listening to it. I'll plug it in and get it streaming um, at night. And I'll listen to live radio traffic from Andover, North Andover, Lawrence, Methuen, my hometown area. Uh, Boston Fire is on here. CHP, Cape Cod, the Coast Guard uh, at Cape Cod is on here. Chicago Fire, Jersey City, Kennedy Space Center is on on here. LAPD, Las Vegas, LA County Fire, um, Middlesex County Fire Agencies are consolidated on here. New York City Fire, several channels, Riverside, Verdugo, Ventura County, San Francisco, San Diego. And you just go through and you just hit your little favorites and I can I can just punch on any of these and I'll instantly be streaming their live radio traffic and it it's great because now I can sit you know at night and listen to my hometown police and fire department and people I haven't talked to in years you know I used to be a dispatcher in Andover and I can listen to Andover police and fire on my iPhone really? now really yep. yeah it's just amazing now in fact a friend of mine had told me uh, kids in school 
high school and junior highs here in Burbank have the iPhone. And they said, oh, I got the scanner on my phone now. And I go, I don't think you can get digital yet. Apparently, I'm not sure what they're getting. But uh, Well, this is live streaming. Um, I don't know. I guess maybe you need Wi-Fi to do it. Maybe it'll do it over uh, the Edge network. But there's a, fun, a feature on here where you hit nearby, and it reads your location. And it will oh, turn yeah. on any of the agencies that are in your area where you currently are. So if you're out of town and want to listen, you just hit that and... It's a great app. I, I tripped over it accidentally, as I normally do, and for 99, 99 cents, I'd highly recommend it. It's called Emergency Radio, and you can uh, you can get it at, uh, at iTunes. I don't know if there's you something like that for the BlackBerry, but maybe there is. You guys I'm going to have to go search for that now. I'll tell you. I don't know who does it. You know, I'd love to see who does it and see if I can get a couple more channels, you know, provide a, a local stream here. Uh, but there's got to be a way for people regionally to participate and, and provide the, the, the sources for these uh, for this audio. So, uh, yeah, look them up at iTunes. Did you know Fireground Action Photography? I'm go- just going through these without segues now. I'm ripping through this list. Um, Fireground Action Photography now has a Facebook page. You know, I saw an email, or did I see it on Facebook? Or wait, did it's I get a tell. Twitter? I lose track. I lose track myself, but we do. We have our very own Facebook. You could call it a fan page, but it's a, a page just for uh, Fireground Action Photography, the podcast. Uh, so I'll now be posting certain things there and comments. And if you follow it, uh, if you friend it up, become our friend on Facebook, uh, you'll be listed on there, but you can also make comments. You can submit topics just like the Flickr discussion group. You can use the Facebook page. It's another place to go. Uh, you can post pictures there. You can post video there. You can uh, post comments. You can comment on the different episodes. You can start conversations. An- yet another place to go, and it's absolutely free. So if you're already on Facebook, just look for uh, for Fireground Action Photography. I'll put a link to it in the show notes so it's a little easier to get to. I don't know it off the top of my head, but we'll put that in. But check out the uh, check us out on, uh, on Facebook. Another you know, place to go. Craig, I was wondering with... Um a couple of things that uh, have come and gone on Memorial Day this week at Memorial Day. Wow, it's a week early, isn't it? I don't know. Actually, the real Memorial Day is the 30th, but we're celebrating it this Monday. Well, we thank our veterans out there um, that are with us and those that aren't that have given the ultimate sacrifice. It's about them. It's not about barbecues and days oh, off and long weekends. Definitely. If it's you about know anybody, celebrating our veterans. If you know anybody that uh, has served in any war, I have a friend uh, who people heard on the podcast. In fact, our last one, Glenn Duke, World War II. You know, and I make it a point that day. I'll see him this coming Monday because I'm shooting a Burbank's Memorial Day. They have an air squadron flyover, and they do uh, they issue a rose to every serviceman that hasn't come back home to Burbank, and I'll be shooting that. But if you know anybody out there that has served Vietnam, any of our wars, World War Two. I don't think anybody be around maybe for World War One, but uh, Korea, Korea, um, our current. If you know anybody yep. in Iraq, Afghanistan, thank them. That's why we can do this podcast. That's why you and I could uh, put on the clothes and do some of the things that we like to do because they served our country, and I appreciate them very, very much. Absolutely, as we all do. Joe, are you? Uh, do you have any events going on related to Memorial Day? Well, I, uh, as you guys know, I do uh, colonial reenacting, and I will be uh, marching on Sunday in Cambridge, Massachusetts, and on Monday in Somerville, or vice versa. They're in their parades as part of the colonial militia group that I belong to, and uh, 
you know, we march and we have the black powder muskets that we fire. So we'll be doing uh, volleys to the delight of the audience and the crowd, uh, you know, for the, both of those uh, parades. And we have a parade locally here in Woburn. Um, Memorial Day, as far as my photography work goes, is a day off for me on Monday. And um, But we have a parade here in uh, – we have a – the section of Woburn has a lot of cemeteries, uh, one very large Catholic cemetery, and we have um, more than a dozen individual Jewish cemeteries. So there are a lot of activities planned for Monday morning in all of the cemeteries, and a sm- we have a small parade here. Joe, which, I'm, uh, uh, since we have Hanscom Air Force Base right around the corner from us, we usually have right. a guest speaker from Hanscom. And in this area, and I don't know if that's, this is just us or if it's all over the place, but there seemed to be a little bit of an emphasis this year on the Civil War. Um, as Again, as a news photographer, I covered an event at our local high school yesterday where the guest speaker was a historian who spoke about Woburn's role in the Civil War and how many, uh, I think they said there were 700 people from Woburn had gone off to battle and 78 of them had died and 250 were wounded and some never returned. Some died in prison camps in the South and uh, he spoke very highly of the Civil War. And I don't know if that's just uh, that was just the hmm. topic this year or, again, if it's more broad-based than that. But, but you, you uh, live in the so, heart of where the Revolutionary War took. Well, I yes, mean, you have yeah, Lexington. The Revolutionary and, War, Lexington conquered, yep. Yeah. Yep. So, I just historic. want somebody to get a picture, Joe. Uh, if anybody this weekend, either on a <clears> – <throat> put it up. I, I got to see this picture, Joe, in his outfit without the camera because that's an unusual shot in itself. I think if you go to his Facebook page, you might see a picture of him. Okay. Yes, indeed. Yep. And me and my, as we call it in my kit, uh, uh, I portray a farmer. Uh, I've not yet uh, ascended the ranks of uh, of a gentleman, as they would have said back then. So if you <laughs> see, you'll see me in my farmer's getup with my uh, tri-cornered hat and my black powder musket and my tomahawk. Wow. And my uh, my uh, my very period realistic clothing. We uh, we marched a lot over. I know I have not been on the podcast in a while, just because we've been so busy around here. And uh, we marched in. Um, April 17th, April 19th, that whole weekend, we did a bunch of different parades and battles against the Redcoats. There's a very big uh, Redcoat, uh, or uh, as they would call it, the King's Regulars. Uh, there are a lot of reenactors here in this area that do that. And um, Lexington and Concord. Craig, you're from Lexington, right? Isn't that I'm from Andover. My uh, aunt and uncle live in Lexington. Uh, that's what it is, yeah. yeah. So uh, we marched in Lexington, and we marched in Concord at the Old North Bridge, and we marched out at uh, what they call the Battle Road which was the road that the Redcoats came and returned back to Boston by. The history of the whole area is fascinating. Now that as as is I'm history. Concerned. Oh, yeah. That uh, is history. Yeah. Right. That is we, fantastic. We, uh, we participated in a battle on uh, – nowadays it's on Massachusetts Avenue in uh, in Arlington. And, Craig, I'm sure you've, you're familiar with that. That's a big, wide thoroughfare. It goes up from Cambridge yeah. through Arlington into Lexington. That's where my dad grew up. Bedford. And uh, we yeah. did something called the Jason Russell House, and that was the, the – uh, uh, the place where most of the Redcoats killed most of the Americans. It was the biggest battle on that very first day. And we did that the other day. That was a very fun – it's a rather enjoyable event to do. So I, I'm loving doing all that stuff. You, you know, talking uh, about parades, and I know last week I got, oh, 15, 20 um, Twitters of you, uh, Craig, being a little busy shooting a little parade. Uh, yeah, it was a little busy. 
A little busy. Why don't you, if you share with us? If you follow me on Twitter, you got a few <laughs> frantic Twitters from. Uh, that was a busy couple of days. It, frantic. Uh, down I like in, the way you put that. <laughs> frantic. Frantic. Down, it, the... it, it got there. It's one of these events where I have to be two, three places at the same time. Uh, it, it's the Armed Forces Day celebration, which takes place in Torrance, California. It is the longest running uh, Armed Forces Day parade in the country. So you saw my buddy Lou Zapparini. Lou Zapparini was Good there. He was. He was is at the he banquet. Amazing? Yep, they named an airport after him. What a now that was a guy with stories. He's oh. he is a true war hero. I see him every other Sunday Do at you? church. Oh, okay. Uh, he comes by. He's 90, still kicking. He's ninety something, and he is feisty. Doing the marathon tomorrow. Yeah. He doing the marathon, the L.A. marathon at ninety kidding. some odd years. Really, this is his third time running it. Wow, in I'm 90s. exhausted already. <laughs> uh, but no, it it is only the one of only four. Armed Forces Day events sanctioned by all branches of the military. Wow. So it's quite an event, and it was the 50th one. So in come the admirals, the generals, the colonels. It's a very big event. Uh, a lot of VIPs, you'd say, uh, there, a lot of security. The Grand Marshal was a rear admiral from the Navy who's in charge of the entire southwest part of the country. Um, a lot of saluting then. A lot of saluting. Yeah, their arms get real tired, but uh, there were generals. Um, it's great because it's basically culminates in two days of events, Friday and Saturday. Um, there are static displays at the mall and by static, I mean, tanks, helicopters, jets that they trailer in, um, a lot of hands-on displays. There are different vehicles that they use current that are current that they're using now in Iraq and Afghanistan. So people can see, get a look at what our, our troops are, are, are working with. Good over crowd there. attendance. Unbelievable. They figure over 100,000 people came to the, the parade. Uh, line and you, the parade shot the, you about shot that many pictures. Uh, just about. I took a picture of every person. Yeah, there was. I took portraits of everybody in attendance. Uh, <laughs> no, and, and the city hired me to photograph all of the events. And by all of the events, I mean over the two days, Friday, we have static displays, uh, the escorts, VIPs arriving. There's a dignitary dinner. A formal dinner. You had to wear a tux? I wore a shirt and tie. Okay. But, um, and during that, I take uh, portraits of mm. all the dignitaries, their spouses, group portraits. Sean Parr from the local country station here um, was our celebrity celebrity uh, um, grand marshal. Mm. So he was there. He's got the number one country morning show in the country. He was there. So I take group uh, portraits, individual portraits, couples, the mayor, all of the city council was there. So it's a very... Very uh, VIP-type event as far as the city is concerned, but the generals, the admirals, they're all there. I have to cover that. Then they go from there to the concert hall across the the courtyard where the uh, the Navy Band of the Southwest oh, played wow. uh, an entire concert. Unbelievable. It was confetti, streamers, laser shows, and everything. So I cover that. Uh, the next morning I get up bright and early and, and photograph the motor inspection. It's a tradition for the Torrance Police oh, Torrance motor PD. detail. Oh. At 6 in the morning they line up all their bikes. Oh. They've spent a week cleaning them and touching up their uniforms. It's a, it's a real uh, show day for them. And they do a formal inspection with the division commander and, and we take group pitch, uh, photos, unit photos of them. And from there, <laughs> that starts my Saturday. From there I go to Reveille which is at the at the static displays. They have a stage set up. All the dignitaries show up. Uh, they do reveille. They do uh, roll call with all the branches of the military, hundreds of them at attention, doing roll call, checking in, and they have a band. The band plays there. Um, quite an event. And then all the dignitaries go out and look at the static displays. 
and they talk with the troops and the people manning those displays. And then the public comes in and, and they do all the they see all the demonstrations and the military canines did a demonstration. Just a great event out there at the mall. Beautiful weather. I bet nobody tapped you on the shoulder and said you can't be here shooting. No, I had about every credential I needed, <laughs> even the parade shirt. But uh, and then they have a barbecue across town, all day barbecue for the military personnel, all of the ROTC and junior members are there, and they do tug-of-war. They do different uh, sporting competitions and contests there. It's a great event. Um, there's a luncheon for all the dignitaries, military personnel, families. Wow. Um, and they, they usually present awards and things there and have speakers, and then they all get on their buses, go to the grandstands, then the parade. Parade starts at one thirty. Goes on for about a couple hours. What street is that on? The- right down Torrance Boulevard, Torrance Boulevard. Right past the Civic Center, yep. Um, and it goes a couple miles. And, uh, you know, about 80, 90 entries. And they do flyovers, Coast Guard, Air Force. They flew a 707 over one of their radar. Really? Uh, you know, so they did a low flyover. Um, they had a couple F-18s do a low flyover. Um, the Coast Guard helicopter, they're, they're, they love showboating in the Dolphin because they're local. Oh. So they'll come in low and they'll get hanging out, waving and all that. Lots of demonstrations. Now, I'm curious, did you shoot? Just on your, did you have any remote camera set up or did you do it all? Not this year um, because I didn't have a spare camera. I had, but I went with two. As usually, I have two bodies, with a, one with a short lens, one long lens, so I don't have to change lenses that much. And that, you know, I end up going back and forth real quick in a parade because mm-hmm. I want to get an overall shot of every entry. So, you know, for documenting for the city, but then I got, want to be able to zoom in on faces, on trumpets, and 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 get the detail shots too. And I walk the parade route both sides before wow. before the parade to get uh, atmosphere shots of the kids with their face painted and their flags and all that. Just great stuff uh, for the city and uh, showing the, uh, the the all the all the residents now, coming I'm out. I'm just curious on on some of those shots. I could I have been with you uh, President Reagan's funeral and you mm-hmm. had some real touching shots. Any of those shots that you could share with us? Or are they all owned by there, the? I call them the poster shots. Uh, yeah. Because the city does use a lot of these pictures for the posters for the following years, for their notebooks, for their ad- effort to advertise for the uh, the parade and things. And there are just, you know, people have the, they have their little lap dogs all dressed up like Uncle Sam. And you'll get the little kids on the shoulders of the, of their dad waving the American flag with their hat with the stars and stripes on it. And it's just touching stuff to see the, the community come out and support their military. Uh, and it's real touching, and it's very important to the city. Uh, and if you thought the parade was the last thing, no, the parade's not the last thing. Oh no! After the parade, <laughs> uh, everybody breaks and gets cleaned up, and then there's the big banquet. Um, so at you the took Marriott. a nap before? Well, I took a shower. Yeah, it's a long day, <laughs> but uh, had to get a suit on after that day, having to get a suit on. But uh, then went and covered the banquet, which you have the head table with the grand marshal, the mayor. Uh, there's a whole presentation. Um, it's a huge hall. It takes up the entire banquet hall area of the Marriott. They open the whole thing up. There are 40, 50 tables. It's a very nice dinner, very nice event. Um, but in attendance, you have people from the police department that organized the whole thing. You have um, Marines. You have a lot of uh, – a couple years ago, it was the last Navy year, um, and they had a destroyer parked uh, off the beach. Wow. The, yeah. And the, the, uh, the captain and his staff were at the banquet. Um, but they have a, a Medal of Honor recipients at this thing. They have, uh, you know, Bronze Star recipients. So just, it is quite a room full of, it's very touching for me. 
uh, and a lot of people to stand to just be in a room with some of the heroes, true heroes, mm-hmm. not basketball players, not football players, true heroes to this country. That's what makes our country in free. this room, and what they have given and sacrificed. Uh, is is a very powerful. It's an honor for me to cover this whole thing. And as Joe mentioned, I came away with just under 4,000 pictures from the two days that I now still have to go through. It took me five hours just to upload them all. Now, at some point, I have to figure out a method for getting through them all uh, and doing at least a quick edit on th- some shots that, that need to be done. And, and I'll get those organizationally. I'll break them into events on a couple of DVDs. I'll have the banquet, luncheon, parade, uh, I'll have just one for the, the police department that shows, you know, police and fire personnel uh, that are involved at work during the event. So they'll have those to, to, to use and, and enjoy. But I'll break them down on a couple of TVs and that, that'll go to the city. Uh, it's, now, can it's a lot of work. order from you or do they? No, they'll, they'll get them from the city. Hmm. Um, the dignitaries, they'll ask me how to get pictures and, and they're made available uh, from the city. I, I don't really handle any of that because i'm paid by the city to do it Mm. i I don't care to put them on smug mug and and sell them that way after they can get them free free of charge uh through the city and it's uh, it's just it's my pleasure to do it it's a lot of work it's a long two days i can hardly walk usually by the end of the banquet being on you know you can imagine being on your feet running around a parade route and covering all these things with two cameras hanging on you uh, for a couple of days, but it's a it's a great event. I look forward to it every year. I'm just curious, uh, how did your equipment do? I mean, uh, you're shooting a lot. You're going through it, burning through cards. Uh, oh, God, yeah. if it was film, you remember, right film is exposed, left pocket is unexposed. But here you did cards. Now, what about strobes, batteries, cameras, everything uh, shoot good? Everything, I got to tell you, was great. The Canon 40Ds were screaming. Uh, they did real well. Um, went through four gig cards, two gig cards, one gig cards in my pocket. I keep them in the strap. They have pockets on the strap, so I know those are there. And I can kind of feel them and keep track of how many I have left. If they're shot, they go in my pocket, and they stay there. And then uh, I used a portable hard drive to download them and back them up at night, keeping the images on the cards because I, I didn't shoot over anything because I wanted to have two, three copies of everything coming out of the event. Um, and I have enough cards where I didn't have to – format any cards and shoot over them um so i like just still having image you know the copies everywhere but uh strobes batteries no battery issues um i was surprised i didn't have to change batteries in any of my strobes for at the banquet at the at the dinner or anything everything held up really well not a lot of battery changes i was surprised good, good to know yeah and equipment wise and so forth so and then afterwards you move from that um you stayed down there, I believe, uh, you said. I I, yeah, I stayed down there Friday and Saturday night, so I didn't have to drive home in between or, or after the banquet. You that was a big help. Yeah, that that really is. Then you came home, and I guess uh, Sunday, you downloaded for hours. I mean, uh, Slept literally. in. <laughs> Took a lot of ibuprofen when I woke up. Had a lot of coffee going and spent five hours uh, uploading pictures. Wow. And now, now I, that that's my question at this point is because um, – this is this you're the second person this week to to make the comment on uploading and uh editing pictures do you uh can you go over what your uh workflow is for that i was afraid you were going to ask that well we um, don't have to i mean no, 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 and then no, i have I'm a then i have a, i have an equipment a piece of equipment question to ask you after you say that sure. so um well ted was the other one i think doing a lot of twittering about the, when he shot that uh <laughs> The church, fire, we'll right? Yeah, the, 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 fire, yes, but, the LDS church fire. Yep. Uh, 
and both of us commented on Lightroom. I think I have Lightroom. I've had it for a bit now. And every time I shoot something, I bring it up in Lightroom and I try to start. Like, I think this is the time I'm going to learn Lightroom. I'm going to learn it with this. <laughs> and it's just daunting. You know, I, I want to speed up the workflow. You know, I run it through Photo Mechanic first because then I can do my picks. I can do no, 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 yes, 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 no, 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 no. I can do quick cropping. I can uh, I can do uh, a metadata. I can do my copyright stuff. I can rename things, which I'll do in a batch. I'll rename stuff. Um, I never leave pictures as IMG underscore one, two, three, four anymore because that's useless when you – once you go around to 10,000, you start all over again and you have multiple. So I always name everything. Um, and then I'll bring into Photoshop – those that I, that really need to be tweaked, whether I need to do exposure compensation or things like that, um, I'll do that. Now, with un, j- almost 4,000 pictures, that's going to be a very inefficient way to do it. Um, I would like to use Lightroom to do this. I wish there was a workshop between now and then <laughs> on Lightroom because – Actually, there is, and I'll give you some uh, – Okay. I have found that, uh, that they say – and we've heard from the podcast, uh, some of our fellow uh, shooters are using it on a regular basis. Well, I know Tim Tons loves it. It's just I, every time I go to use it, it's not the time to use it. It's just it's too late to well, try to figure the, it out. I think exactly that's the thing is when you've got 4,000 pictures you're looking at, it's not the time to try and pull out a new piece of equipment yeah. to look at. I, I hate to tell you that. You yeah. know, and uh, But I agree with you on that 100%. It's not the time to start learning, especially as I understand it, there is no learning curve on this program. It's straight up. So, <laughs> yeah. So what I'm probably you know. going to do is approach it quickly with through, go, run it through the photo mechanic, uh, keep the keepers. And in looking, since a lot of it takes place in daylight, there's not a lot to do in that area. All I'm going to do is toss the, the non keepers and keep the keepers uh, banquet, things like that. I will go through um, as quickly as I can, as efficiently as I can uh, bring them into Photoshop, tweak them up. And, and send them back out. I'm going to try not to, to over-edit this stuff simply because of the volume. Um, but overall, in the initial uh, view of all this, I'm very happy with with the quality, the images that are out uh, that are there. So hopefully, I don't have to do a whole lot of a lot of touching up to anything. Okay, so my question then is: Are you? I know Photo Mechanic uses the term ingesting the 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 pictures. Right. So you're shooting. On compact flash media or secure digital? Compact CFRSD. Flash. Compact flash. Okay. And then you're, you are doing one card at a time? Are you, is your card reader a single card reader? Yes. Okay. Yeah. It, it, it ingests them pretty quickly. Um, uh, that doesn't slow me down too much. Okay. Um, what I've actually found is that computers that have the slots built into them, and I have a gateway here that has the slots, very slow. Yep. It's quicker, much quicker to plug in a USB reader yep. and run it that way than to try and upload them with the by putting the cards in the slot that's built into the computer. For some and, reason, it's very slow. And also, I have found downloading several hundred pictures don't go through one of these little uh, USB routers that you know you can come out of your computer. Oh, and, the hub. And, yeah, a hub, hub yeah. for four or five. That slows it down. Go right into your uh, a slot. You know, not a slot. Excuse me. A USB a USB port, or get a FireWire reader. You can yep. get a FireWire wire uh, reader too. Oh, that's right. And that's well, I you know I have a uh, built-in CAD reader. I build my own computers, and the one that I have is uh, UD. I use UDMA enabled cards, which are the fastest cards made. 
and I have a USB 2.0 reader that's actually, I, I do it very quick, but I don't use bigger than two gigabyte cards, uh, and that's my own personal preference due to uh, a fear of physically losing the card. And uh, I, if I, I have lose that a card, I only lose 275 photos. Now, that's, I know people are saying, yeah. whoa, that's 275 photos, but um, it makes me it, it just, you know, that's yeah. just me. I, well, I, have, I, I have my primaries are four gig cards right now, and I subscribe to the same theory is I'd rather have a pocket full of smaller cards and lose fewer pictures in one or if the card gets corrupted, uh, the same same issue. But, you know, I'll keep going up as file images keep going up. Um, but I did fill those four gig cards. I will tell you that. Right. Well, you I know, don't you, worry you... so much about corruption because um, the recovery, um, you know, when I teach classes, the one thing I tell people is that as long as you don't shoot over your corrupted card, yes, the you files can recover are still them. there. You can recover them, yep. As you long can as you recover them. And you'll I be able recover, recover stuff for people all the time. I've learned that the easy way and the hard way. Yeah, I have right. one card I can't recover. But you said something a few minutes ago, Craig, that maybe our listeners, um, you went, in your and we've talked about our equipment before. How you keep the cards in your strap, mm -hmm. but your done cards went in your pants pocket. They go in my pocket, you know. Yeah. And I have learned the hard way. I have a tendency, and to I check work. for holes before I start shooting, just so you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, I used to put cards in my pocket, my breast pocket, you know, mm -hmm. on a shirt. I get pretty sweaty, and Joe could probably relate those breast pockets. If you have a business card in them or anything, they get kind of wet. How can and you relate, Joe? Uh, I can't. But I don't that's know what okay. that means. Yeah, okay. Uh, that's okay. I understand what he's saying. <laughs> but so I have found. Do you put them back in the, the protective uh, plastic? Or oh, they're never in them. Never in them. Never so in them. They go right into your pocket. I have a drawer you... full of those little plastic cases that come in. Yeah. Well, but I see... sold all of my plastic cases on eBay. Oh, did you? The people who want to use them. Yeah, this is too time consuming. Myself, too time consuming. Well, but if you see, if you yeah. recall what you said, you put them in your pants pocket. You know, if you have to grab another card quick, you got a general coming by and you have to do a change. You go to your strap, boom, boom. Yep. The other one goes right into your pants pocket. There's a system. Yeah. Got to exactly. have a system. Yep. Yeah. And that's uh, my system. I used to have the card wallets, you know, the I remember ones you when flip you open did. or the zippered ones and they could never hold enough cards. I always had more cards and then you had, it was something else you had to grab. And if you didn't, then you were, you could be screwed because you only had what was in your cameras. These straps I have, I think they're the Tamarack, uh, they're available through the Fireground Action store, which is recommended equipment uh, that you can get through Amazon. I know Rick has bought some. I have a few oh. of them. There, you have some. They're great. They have little Velcro pockets built onto the strap. Two of them on each strap, and they'll each hold two uh, um, compact flashcards. So yeah. I keep those full. And if they're in there, I know they're blank and I know they're clear. But really, as a backup, even if they are in my pocket, let's say I've done a combat change where I'm not, I'm nearing the end of a card, but something's going on fast-paced, so I have a second, so I'll throw in a new card. Let's say I fill that up, and I'm out. Well, I know, like, take one out of my pocket, there might be a few left on there, so if I put that back in the camera, I might be able to get a few more images out of it. Uh, but for the most part, with the, 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 the speed, the pace of the parade and these events, I was I was pushing the button, and it wasn't going anymore, and it was saying full. So I, I was filling Maxing up these out. cards. Yeah. Now, okay, also equipment-wise there, I'm just curious. Um, when you put a card in, do you format your cards before you go out on the shoot, before you put them back in the strap, or do you put it in the camera, format it then? No, I, I format them before. Okay. Usually, maybe sometimes not long before. Sometimes when I'm prepping the gear to go shoot. There are times I will leave stuff on the cards. Um, just in case, just as a backup, for whatever sure. reason, until I need them again. But before the event, I'll clear them all out to, to format them, get them nice and clean. Um, but part of the problem I've run into is if you don't format cards, 
Then you put a card in, and you see, oh, I've got like 200. I've got 100 pictures on this. What is it? And now you're afraid to format it because you don't know if it, right. geez, is it something from this event that I just forgot? And that's or? why I basically brought it up. Um, if you're out at a brush fire and you put your hand in your brush pa- pocket and pull out a card, if you need a card, you put it in the camera and you only get 10 shots on it, you go, oh, great. Was that this fire? What did I have? So that's why mm-hmm. I asked because I personally have learned after I shoot now, when I put them back into the sling or my strap, I format them that way. Right. When when I'm at a scene, it's wham bam, thank you, ma'am. It's yeah, I have wow. I, I've I'm holding eight compact flashcards that are in a pile on my desk that have that still have parade stuff on them, and just because I don't need them yet, but they're sitting on my desk. I have some more in my truck, but these are here as an additional backup that haven't been formatted yet. I know Gene Blevins, a friend of ours, uh, typically keeps pictures on them until he's going just like that till he goes to his next thing, and when he before he starts shooting his next event. He'll uh, he'll format them then, so he keep uses them as a backup too. Okay. But another thing to think of that that I've learned, you probably you guys probably already know, is if you put a fresh card in your camera, and it says you only have ten pictures left, you guys know what else that could mean? It's a corrupted card, Joe. Well, yeah, I mean it could be corrupted, but uh, you know, you could. There's a cycle it, of ten thousand frames oh, in the could. camera. And so if, if you don't have it set to automatically start renumbering after that 10,000, it'll count down. So if you right. only have 10 frames before that 10,000 is up, it's only going to show that you have 10 left on your card mm-hmm. because it because of that. So you have to reset the numbering. So if you, right. if you throw a card in and go, wait, wait a minute, I haven't, there shouldn't any be any, the card's empty. That could be something else to look for is you need to go into your camera settings and reset the, the numbering, the image numbering. Well, I think what it boils down to, and, and uh, whether you're shooting four pictures or 4,000 pictures, is to have a system that you're comfortable with, a routine, and stick with it. And that sounds like you guys. Now, I got to tell you, I'm totally opposite of what you guys do. Well, I use That's a why we love you, Joe. But I know, that's why really, you huh? shoot Nikon and we shoot Canon. Oh, come on. Oh, here we go again. No. Um, <laughs> I use a card wallet, and when uh, uh, when I'm shooting – in the card wallet, if the CF cards are label side up, that means they're empty. And when I return them to the card wallet, if they are full, um, they go they go the blank side or the the back label goes up. Yeah. And I have all of my cards uh, have a uh, have a label on them. They're numbered one through twelve. And I have a think tank. Um, it came from SportsShooter.com several years ago. I have a Think Tank Velcro um, card holder, card wallet, if you want to call it that, and it's very convenient and uh, it fits right in my are, in my pants they pocket. Are, they are great. Or my camera bag, either way. Yeah, uh, they are great. And, I, I have several of them, and I've used them for years. And I have the same system when I do and have used them. Is they I turn them around. I know they're shot. Right. If the back of it's looking at me, I know that there's a shot. That's card. a fault. Oh, so now when topic, I download you know, for... everything or upload to the computer, I have my computer set. I use ACDC to ingest my photos, and I have it set automatically to. And again, because I'm my newspaper stuff is by date. So when I ingest into my computer, uh, the computer automatically creates if it's not created already a a folder with the date on it and then oh, great. it okay. ingests everything into that date but then it blanks out that card i never format my cards never ever so you have format it, once cards. they're once they're uploaded you have the program clear the cards the program automatically clears the card yes that's a confident guy right there Boy, it and is. then i put it back into the well no because 
um, even if it's cleared, as we know, it's recoverable. And, and it, it's recoverable. Yeah. I've never had a, now Ross just said he's had a card that's not recoverable. That's the first I've ever heard of that. And I'm sure it may happen to me someday that I'm going to need something and I'm not going to be able to recover it. But I have recovered tons of cards, both for myself and for other people. And I've never had anything. Sure, when I recover pictures, and again for other people, you might get a corrupt photo here or there which I can then just immediately delete, and then that's not uh, a problem. But I've never had, you know, I, people talk about, you know, this, that, and everything that happened to cards and static electricity yeah. and what have you. But I, I guess maybe knock on wood, I've never had that kind of a problem. Okay. So once they're up on the computer, uh, the card is blanked out. I put it back in the wallet. I put the next card into because I have a one-at-a-time reader also. And when we go to a big fire, or I have a day, you know, when I'm out shooting for an entire day, if I start in the morning with a couple of general assignments, then we catch a fire or a car accident, and then I've got sports in the afternoon, I could come home on an average day with three or four full cards from three or four or five assignments or events. Now, I'm and, just curious, Joe, um, you said you used the word label a few minutes ago, and this is a question for both you and Craig. I'm curious, are your cards, when you say labeled, do you have, if found, call Joe Brown? Or your phone number, or anything? No, actually, I don't. How about you, Craig? Um, I have, yeah, I have my name and cell phone number on it. Okay, yeah, on a little further. Um, I recently well, found online just JMB one, JMB two, Joseph and Michael everybody Brown, you know, knows and who that just... is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Here in the Metro <laughs> Woburn area, you know who that metro is. Well, but you know, Brown. now with these label makers, as you and I've shared, and we have, you know, they're they put them out on a little piece of tape. You could print that fine. It, fine type. Don't use the right. old Dymo label ones because it won't. Your card won't fit in your camera. <laughs> no, you it won't fit in. Yeah, but exactly. how many of those? And did make we sure have? that check those labels periodically because you put that in your camera and the corner of it's sticking up. It That's could right. peel off inside the camera. Yep, exactly. Right. Uh, exactly. But so, uh, yeah, a little more on the Armed Forces Day stuff because it looks like that's going to be our main topic today. <laughs> um, is how 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 I find I deal with these dignitaries. Uh, at this point, the the city council, the mayor, I see them a few times a year at these events, and uh, and this one in particular is a big event for them. It, it's, it's very big for the city, so th they're all out there looking to get the coverage. Um, you know, I, the first time I see them at the event, I'll, hey, it's me, I'm back. You're going to be sick of me by the end of tomorrow. Um, and, <laughs> and they, they were then. I am. They were yeah. then, right? They already are. Um, but, no, I, I you have to be proactive at these because you can't expect – all these people to come to you going, Hey, I'd like a picture of this. It's like being a wedding photographer. You have to get out there and manage some of this stuff. You have to make some of these moments happen. So you, you know that you need to come away with it, with some portraits, with the mayor, with the admiral and, and the, you know, the dignitaries, you know, these pictures have to happen and you, and I don't want the mayor to have to find me. So I'm, I, I make sure I'm available. I'm readily available. I'm visible. I'm not hiding out in a corner. Put a I'm, traffic cone. I'm working the, t yeah, with a blinking light. I'm working the tables. I'm grabbing candid shots. Once they know us, know I'm there, then okay, everybody get together for a picture. Because He's got the green flashing command post light going, Russ. Yeah, right. well, I have like well a, he wore his vest. I have a flag like what you have when you're duning, or you know, on right. a, a bicycle, big flag. Um, but I'm I'm visible. I am the photographer, and and I'm going to come away with pictures. So I'll wander the tables at the banquet and these different events, and I'll take candid pictures. And like I said, once they see, oh. You're here. I'm like, yeah, like, let me get everybody together, and then I'll get the setup shot. 
but I'll start with a candidate that'll get their attention and I'll get everything I need. Um, the dignitaries, it's interesting because the, my command staff down there, the bosses that hire me to do this, uh, are always very surprised because I'm a quiet guy, uh, you, but you put me in front of a microphone or behind a camera and I take charge, right? And so I'll be at the dinner and I'll be off to the side with my camera set up and they have this giant wall-sized American flag that we do the portraits in front of. Very impressive. Um, and, you know, the first year I did it, I was uncomfortable. I was very... Very formal, very proper with these generals and admirals because they're some of them are stuffy and they're used to being king of the world and and being treated in a certain way. And you find these little break in the ice moments. Uh, you know, a couple of years ago, I had a, a very stiff general up there, and I had his wife up there, and they were uh, for a couple's portrait. And he was, I was trying to get him to relax. I was trying to crack a couple of jokes, and it wasn't happening. And then his wife went to straighten his bow tie. And so what a great little picture. Click, and I click, 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 snap, there you go. Yep. and that made click, them click, laugh. Click. And that broke the ice. And I'll, I'll use different techniques to break the ice. Uh, I'll say different things, and I'll take a couple pictures, and they're all uptight. And I'll say, okay, those are for practice. This one's for real. Uh, and they're like, oh, okay. And they'll usually loosen up. But you find different things to say, different ways to, to act that break the ice. And I, at one point, one of the higher-ups with the city pulled me aside and goes, man, you are breaking them up up there. You're unbelievable they're there they're all stuffy and by the time they're done with the pictures they're all yucking it up and they're smiling laughing talking to each other and you know you just have to make the best of the moment what i have found what you just said there's a difference between somebody who snaps pictures and a photographer and what you just explained as joe could probably relate so well i had an experience last week did a ribbon cutting at at a dental clinic the mayor was there the city manager i did the ribbon cutting but I said, you know what? I got to get creative here. I put, I took the mayor, who will, who I just got put into office two weeks ago, put him in the dentist chair. I put the the city manager in a green smock. I got some dental tools. I got four or five people behind him. One picture said a thousand words. That is a great shot. Nobody yeah. wants a ribbon cutting. I had the mayor at the beginning of these tell me, I, you know, I get the group together. I'm like, okay, what kind of picture do you want? He goes, you tell us. That's right. You tell us what to do. That's why. And I, for the rest of the night, I did that. That's why I'm there, right? Yep. And there was one particular picture. The, the mayor kept bringing in more people for this group photo. I had to keep backing up, you know, and the flag was only so it was the size of the wall. But, uh, <laughs> you know, I had to keep backing up. And I told everybody, I, was, oh, I said, okay, this is going to be like that, the, your sports team photo in high school because we've got a layer of people and a general. He's in charge of Camp Pendleton, a colonel, I'm sorry. Very, very cool guy. Gets down on one knee. In front, like a like your team football picture, and he goes, "Anybody else? Anybody else?" And somebody pro- probably said, "Who's going to help him up?" Right? Yeah, and I said, "Hey, that's up to you, sir. If you want to do that, and no, no, get up, get up." Um, you know, and and at one point to break the ice, I, said, I took a couple of the group photos with all the generals and admirals and all the dignitaries, and I said, "Okay, how about a Captain Morgan shot?" And I put my knee up, you know, like the Captain Morgan commercials. And I'll be darned if half of them didn't do it. Oh, Tell me they're not getting relaxed at that point where, yeah. where, you know, in their formal uniforms, they're doing that. So when it gets to that that moment, that that mood, that's where I'm comfortable. Again, what that comes down to is we talked about it. We've talked about it with Tracy. We've talked about it throughout this podcast. Trust. They know that picture is not going to run on the front page of the National Enquirer I didn't even take week. the picture. It, you know, it was just a funny moment. It was you know, just a, you know, a joke to lighten the But there's the trust moment. there that they know you won't burn them, and that's why yeah. they can do it. And any professional photographer, fire service, whatever, that trust, you got their trust. This Your, your city mayor, 
your police chief, your fire chief, they trust your pictures won't appear on Facebook in a bad, putting them in bad light. Why do they hire you? Because you can do that. And that's what, there's a big difference between people that just snap pictures and us photographers. Well, you know, you know, I've been doing that several years now and, and I learn something every time and, and it's a, you know, there are a lot of familiar faces now, even in the, with the military personnel from the area that come to this, recognize me. Um, and that's a relationship that, that I've worked hard to get, yep. worked hard, hard to create, and it makes my job easier every time. And why do they every year they come back to you? Because yeah. not only do they look at the results, but the results being, sure, you can get it on film or you can get it on a card. Not going through Photoshop or, or any of those. Your pictures are there, and they look great. And look at the expressions. You cover the event. How many times do we do this? And I'll tell you, knowing your equipment, we talk about it all the time. You know, what setting do you use? Aperture priority, shutter priority, mm. program, automatic. You know what? Except for automatic because that's taboo. I went through every setting throughout the weekend because every setting had characteristics that I needed at that time. Manual, aperture priority. If I, had to sh- if I needed, wanted a real short depth of field, I'd have to go to one setting. I have to go to this other. So it's not about what's your favorite setting. It's about what's the best setting for the moment you're in. And I turned, I adjusted that camera more times than, than I can I can tell you, and included that wheel with the little pictures on it. I didn't use the little pictures, but uh, man, did that wheel get a workout going from manual to aperture priority to shutter priority, and back and forth, back and forth, because it, I I changed it a million times for whatever I thought. Uh, was the most appropriate for the image I wanted to create. Sure. Well, I uh, I shot something this uh, last week that just talking, you just it, it hit me so hard. Know your camera so well. Um, I shot it every 15 minutes, and one of the shots was they gave out bracelets to every kid that uh, was at a local high school, 2,000 kids. They were throwing out these bracelets, and it says on it, it's, it's your choice. Explain what every 15 minutes is. Oh, okay. Every 15 minutes, broken down to, there's a drunk driver killed every 15 minutes. Or there's someone killed by a drunk driver. Exactly. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah, exactly. And they take they've uh, the local police, Burbank Police Department, uh, the high school, and some service clubs have put this program together. They did it uh, out here in California. We're coming up to proms. In fact, I believe last night was one high school's proms. Next week's another's prom. You have graduation. We have summer. They took and they set up bleachers for the juniors and seniors to come out in front of Burroughs high school in Burbank, California. And they took and, uh, Oh, 2000 kids in these bleachers and the local tow company, um, took and overturned a car and simulated a crash. They have the corner come out. They have makeup people. They get very realistic. Oh, I have a picture that they poured, you know, blood running down. And what it was, was, and the car's full of, you know, beer cans and all this. The simulation was a high school kid coming to school, runs through a crosswalk, nails a well-known teacher, uh, has three passengers in his car. They're all drunk. Hits T-bones a SUV and kills a driver in that one. And they're all laying out. PD gets there, Burbank, and they – it's so no, That's the scenario. That's, that's the, the scenario right in front of the high school. Uh, PD responds. They uh, They have a kid on a cell phone. Saying, you know, there's just been an accident in front of Burroughs High School. They go through the whole dialogue. They dispatch PD units and not just roll up. They roll up code three. So they have the street closed off. They rolled up code three. First officer gets reports. I have a major accident with uh, two ejections and a couple of uh, victims. They uh, 
do the whole thing. The fire department comes out and does the extrication. They pronounce a couple people. They cover a couple of uh, this teacher in the crosswalk. And um, the makeup was just too surreal. You know, some of the kids to see that. But the, the thing that I think hits home for these kids, they have the Grim Reaper mm-hmm. standing in the background. A few minutes later, they call the coroner. The coroner responds code three, picks up a couple of the victims, puts them in the back of the van as a Grim, Grim Reaper sits there. It's a three-day process for this high school. They take, once the scene clears out, everybody goes back to class. Those kids don't go back to class. They go off. They're secluded for two days. They go back the next day, and they have a memorial. They take these kids and send them off to the hospital, to the morgue, you know, and it's really moving. At the end, they took these bracelets and hand them out to everybody. It's your choice. Mm-hmm. Well, walking away, the officers were cleaning up and all, and I noticed them throwing all these empty beer cans from this accident scene in a box. And this officer's walking and, and uh, put his hand on his gun just sitting there. And I noticed he had the bracelet on. And the picture I envisioned there was uh, him holding this box of empty beer cans. It's your choice. You know, we're going into the summer now. And it doesn't have and to be a high holiday school. weekend. Yeah, holiday weekend. It doesn't have to be summer. We're going to party this week, this year. Everybody says that. Let's go get some beers. Even my fellow photographers, you know, might be going away. You know what? Uh, what I could say, it's your choice, you know, and it's, it's three easy words, but we have seen so many times these people on the side of roads and at car scenes, um, that have been killed, um, that are not necessary. You know, if you go to a place, have that designated driver. Um, it's a visual. I shot tons of pictures. I looked at them. Um, the look on some of these kids face, some of them thought it was humorous. Other ones, and I always say, if my picture can save one kid from making that choice, mm-hmm. my picture has done what I wanted to. Amen to that, brother. Because, yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> we just did the same thing here in Woburn. We had the whole nine yards and um, the fatality and everything. The same thing. If yeah. we can, if we can, if we can. And I know we're gonna. I know we're running low on time here, but I, you know, it, it's the same type of thing. In my situation, we had the exact same thing, and I'll tell you. Um, uh, a week after we had ours, though, some guy I hadn't seen in a while come up to me and asked me about the person that got killed in the driveway of the high school. He thought it was real. And that's how good, I guess, my photography was. I, and I don't say that to, to glorify myself, but uh, he said he'd saw it in the paper and they thought it was a real incident. Wow. And he asked me, he said, well, what happened? That kid got killed in the driveway of the high school. Huh? Oh, my God. What? The? And I said, dude, that was a drill. But that was to show the kids, you know, what was going but on. Tell me it didn't make an impact on him. And well, exactly. So, right. you know, and uh, but we do the same thing. And if we can make one kid like tonight's the Woburn High School prom, it's up in Danvers, Massachusetts at the at the Yacht Club in Danvers. And, uh, you know, I keep an ear on the scanner tonight because in the past years we've had incidents a uh, couple of years, this past couple of years. We haven't. Um, but, you know, it can always happen anywhere, no matter, you know, they're, yeah. they're, they're coming home. Uh, we have one. Uh, we have a friend, Damien Drella. Uh, Craig is a friend of Dra- sure. Damien is a, a firefighter in Saugus, Massachusetts. And just last week they had the prom in Saugus. Um, they the the school did everything correct they did breathalyzer tests and they did everything and they had an all night party well the kids were let out of the party at 4 a.m. and one of the kids pounded down a dozen beers between 4 a.m. and 6 a.m. and he ran somebody over at 7 o'clock Saturday morning a woman and her daughter out walking their dog and the woman got killed and the daughter got injured 
So, oh, you know, awful. the school did everything correct, but obviously this kid just didn't, he, you know, uh, it, this is a major tragedy in the town of Saugus, Massachusetts. And, that's, uh, you know, that's uh, awful. You can't get through to everybody, I guess. But that's, that's the, that's yeah, a tra- that's the thing. But, if, like, but like Ross said, if we can make one difference in one right. person's life, one kid, one adult, one and, something, and, just and show the, them. And the reality of it is holiday weekends like this very one we're entering tend to be very busy weekends. For emergency services personnel, right. as as well as us photographers, and well, your and local that's the reality high- of it. We don't look yeah. forward to it. It's 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 what we do. But uh, if that could change, it'd be a better place. I you guess. know, and that's the thing. Um, and I think as fire ground action photographers, we might be covering something this weekend or the next couple of weeks. Keep that in mind. You know, when you're out on the highway, you know, um, what's coming at you, what's going away from you. Keep your back, you know. Be defensive. Be defensive. defensive Think about that. But if you can shoot something like that, or if you you go out to a cut and rescue, you know, keep in mind all these things that uh, right now, this holiday season, I know out here on the West Coast, it's click it or ticket. Real big enforcement. Yeah, we're doing that. Yeah, we're doing that too here. But while we're on the road, you know, out here we have to wear the uh, the vests now. Yep. This is going to be the time to wear them. If you're out on the roadway, you've got to watch your back. If you're covering a crash or something, uh, there could be a, a new one coming. You know, right I, I looked in the pictures. Right. The Daily News out here had me in the background of one of the shots. I was wearing my vest at that drill. Um, I got a vest. It says photographer on it. I wanted to be clearly marked who I was because kids will see me at a scene. They see me shoot the football games, right, like Joe. Joe goes out to all yep. these sporting events. But at the at a scene of a crash, we're required to do some things different. And out here, it's where that vest that I did was. Absolutely. You know, I, I think that we've touched on a topic that uh, is worthy of its own episode. And, and you touched on it, Ross. Joe, you did. I think we've all – it's come up a few times. And since we are running a little long, we'll save it for a future show. But it's education. It's educating the public through our photography, whether it be high school students, elementary students, adults, uh, fire personnel, how we can use our craft, our photography to educate somebody else to make a difference. I think that's worth talking about. I think you and I learned that, and it was a great experience at Fire Service Day where a kid would say, Mommy, Daddy, what happened here? Mommy, daddy, and you know what? If it's a house fire, if it's something safety-wise, and a little kid sees an image, as my son always reminds me, I I took him to an accident when he was real young, still reminds me of that image, but I think it made a point on him. And that's what, why are we doing this? It's not to glorify the event of what we do. It's for a learning experience. Quite often I come up with new reasons. I find new reasons all the time why I do what I do. Yep. But um, there we are. We're going to wrap it up uh, soon here, um, and we will. Well, I think we'll definitely visit that. But we do have a quick email, uh, Ross. I wanted you to cover from a, a loyal listener who sent us a note. Mickey Kapansky, um, he is one of – he's up on the Flickr group, I know, and in the discussion groups. And um, looking over it, I love it. You can tell he has some flying experience because he said, I'm currently winging my way back from Vegas to – or to Vegas from New York City. And uh, he got to listen to one of uh, our previous podcasts, but he did. It, in fact, it was podcast 34. And um, he uh, what he had uh, and he wasn't disappointed in that podcast. What he had said is I often search around the net for the latest and best pictures from L.A. County fire operations um, and to make it a point to regularly visit certain sites. And Bill Hartenstein's site 
is one that he normally visits. So having him on the show was a good time for me to get to know him a little better and to hear more about his fire, aviation, and space photography. Uh, Mickey says, I'm looking forward to the next podcast. Well, you know, um, with that show that we did with Bill, Bill, uh, with Craig's help. Billy Blastoff. Billy Blastoff has shot another uh, space shuttle launch. He has. He uh, has a new webpage. There's a new one up there, the new website, WGHartenstein.com. Um, he is using a method that Ted and Rick are using where they uh, have Smug Mug as their primary website now, and it's a great vehicle for that if you're a photographer. Uh, we'll put a link to that in the show notes, but if you go back to the show notes for episode 34, uh, we met uh, Bill Hartenstein, who has been a fire photographer for at least 20, 25, maybe 30 years now oh, least, in the Southern yeah. California area. But he is a renowned and very talented aviation and aerospace photographer who covers a lot of uh, the NASA uh, rocket launches, space shuttle launches. Uh, and he's slowly but surely uh, adding galleries to his new website um, of, of that very stuff. And since we've talked to him, he has covered another launch. Uh, at Kennedy Space Center, and that is up on his website. Oh, yeah, so go to wghartenstein.com well, you know, and check it out. Mickey writes here how he uh, enjoys uh, great pictures from L.A. County fire air operations. And I, I, I agree. Um, we're getting into brush season. We're, it's out here. We're probably 90-some-odd degrees. Uh, we're going to have a pretty long brush season, as we know, uh, which means a lot of air operations. And to our fellow photographers, if you're out there shooting, um, you know, Get those helicopters. You shoot at fast shutter speed, you're going to stop those blades right in midair. You know, maybe we can cover that on one of our next shows. Um, when 30th or a 60th, I think, uh, we'll, we'll, get us, we'll give you just enough blur to make it look realistic. Exactly. Yeah. So those are there's some techniques there. But that can I, be hard to do in broad daylight, though. So there are yeah. other techniques that go into making that happen. Or shooting. You know, one twenty fifth will give you a little bit of blur, too, just enough. Okay. And that tends to be a little in the, the – I shot a uh, medevac helicopter the other day, same thing. Cut it down to 1 125th or, or thereabouts. There you, you know, go. To give, uh, to give you a little blur, but that, just to throw that out there. So. Summer summer uh, lightning. Uh, we had a storm monsoon season. Exactly. You could throw a polarizing filter to shoot in broad daylight. And cut that light down. Yeah, exactly. well, Tim uh, Timothy Tons, who is a regular uh, visitor uh, to the show here, he is uh, he he couldn't be on the show today because if you look at the radar for Colorado where he lives and works, there's a lot of red going through there. They have a lot of storm activity, so he's going crazy right now in his office because he's uh, he runs uh, Skyview Weather, uh, an actual a weather service. So he's a. Uh, He's having a rather busy day, so oh, he can So, Mickey, join us. Uh, thanks so much for sending us the email. And thanks for listening. We did get a couple other emails that uh, we're going to go through. Uh, we'll share them uh, on the next show. Yeah, we have to spread them out a little yeah, bit. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> but we wanted to get Mickey's in there. He's a, a loyal listener and uh, a participant uh, in the different forums we have. So and always also, good to hear from Mickey. You know, as he said, he's winging back uh, home to Vegas, but a good time to listen to a podcast if you're planning on traveling. Absolutely. Throw it on your iPod or your BlackBerry or whatever, whatever you want to listen to. It's a, ours are available uh, as MP3s, so you yep. don't need an iPod to listen to it. It's called a podcast, and they are available on iTunes, but you don't need an iPod to listen to it. But you can get it free. Go to iTunes and do a search for Fireground, and uh, two things will pop up, our podcast and a, uh, a fire-related uh, iPhone app. But you can listen to it there. You can download. Please subscribe to it. Really, that's the, the best way. Our favorite way for you to listen to the show is to subscribe to it through iTunes. 
uh, and you can download all the episodes as many as you want, as often as you want, absolutely free of charge. Or you can go to the website at firegroundaction.com, follow the link to the podcast. The download page will have all of them also available to you for download. You can listen to them on the website or download them and put them on your favorite MP3 player. Um, and uh, you can also get to the show notes through there. Every episode has uh, a description, has a link, uh, and also has any links, any URLs, websites, and things that we mentioned during the show. So you don't have to worry about writing them down as you listen or driving down the road. We put them in the show notes for you. So this will be episode 36 that we did today. So any links we mentioned will be in the show notes. But firegroundaction.com is the home for everything about this podcast. And follow us on Twitter. We're Fire Photos at Twitter. Uh, and Joe Brown, you are on Twitter. How can people get a hold of you there and uh, elsewhere? Twitter, it's Brown Photo. So twitter.com slash Brown Photo. And my, my website is joebrownphotos.com. And I'm also on firepix.net. The one, that's where I put a lot of my fireground action stuff. Um, okay, my uh, the Joe website. Brown Photos is more of a sales site for my high school sports and things like that. But people can check that out. That's and, the, about the best way to get me. And we love the folks at firepix.net, Ed Burke and company. And uh, company, a yep. Great, uh, great forum, great resource for us photographers again. And Mr. Benson. Well, you can find me on Twitter, Fire Pictures. And you can also get a hold of me, Ross at firepictures.com. And I want to thank Joe for joining us today. Craig, thanks for, uh, I know you're about to pack up and go away for the weekend. And, you know, as I said earlier, if you're around a serviceman this weekend or somebody that has served our country, thank them for keeping us free. And I know we will all hear either America the Beautiful this weekend or God Bless America. I hear Lee, Lee Greenwood in my head right now. <laughs> I did. But I, Isn't I that could, a great song? Oh, it is. <laughs> a tear to my eyes every time I hear it, I'm, I'm telling you. You know, but um, thank you, servicemen, for doing uh, for serving our country and for uh, the guys that are over there right now. Come home safe. Absolutely, and we also remember those who gave the ultimate sacrifice this weekend too. This is it's about them. So when you're cooking your sausages, your bratwurst, and taking that day off on Monday, remember what it's really about, uh, and let's not forget that. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter. Um, Craig Durling at Twitter. So you can follow my personal stuff there. Um, my main website is craigderling.com. So that's uh, you can get everywhere I am on the Internet by going to craigderling.com. That's kind of my aggregator page. My brother just joined up on Twitter. I think he's got, he's got one follower so far, um, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> he's just get, he's just learning it. So we're going to ease him into this. I'm not going to put it out there just yet because um, I don't want to scare him <laughs> with all the new followers. <laughs> but uh, anyway, again, firegroundaction.com is the website to go to for everything related to the podcast, and you'll see my uh, fire blog and some pictures up there as well. Uh, we appreciate everybody's support. Keep those emails coming. Send us the emails at podcast at firegroundaction.com. As a matter of fact, if you want to email your question or comment in the form of an MP3, attach it to a, an email, and we might even play it right here on the podcast. Uh, once again, Joe, thank you, sir, for taking the time out on this busy weekend uh, to join us on the show. Oh, no problem. Uh, you know, I enjoy this, and uh, hopefully I, I've been away for a little while, and again, due to the, just being busy with general photography stuff. So uh, hopefully we're back and, in, in you know, can be on the next show, hopefully. Yeah, we missed you, and we know we hear from the listeners, and they, they love hearing what you have to offer. So uh, you're an important part of the show. Uh, and so are all the listeners. Everybody in this community we've built here is, uh, is integral 
to the show. So send us those emails. Let us know what you want us to cover, what you want us to talk about, what your thoughts are on some of the stuff we've said. Uh, Feel free. We'll listen to it all. Well, that's it for this episode, everybody. Please be safe out on those fire lines and everywhere else you're headed this holiday weekend, and we'll see you next time on Fireground Action Photography.